sometimes spinning in the wind. Liz had learned early on that she was expected to perform a number of complicated balancing acts. While it was necessary to be fiercely independent and capable of working alone, she also understood what the vulnerabilities were. Her life was ultimately in the hands of the crew above. Today and next week and the week after next, it would be these guys. And until they felt she had truly proven herself, she would continue to be the rescue swimmer instead of our rescue swimmer. Liz kept her hesitation to herself, avoided Wilson's eyes, and pretended to be more interested in checking out the water below. She simply listened. Inside her helmet, via their CIS communication systems, Lieutenant Wilson started relaying their strategy, telling his co-pilot, Lieutenant Junior Grade Tommy Ellis, and their flight mechanic, AST-3 Pete Kesnick, to prepare for direct deployment using the RS, rescue swimmer, and the basket. He was already reducing their position from 200 feet to 80 feet. Might just be an empty fishing cooler, Kesnick said. Liz watched him out of the corner of her eyes. Kesnick didn't like this either. The senior member of their air crew, Kesnick's tanned-weathered face included crinkle lines at his eyes and mouth that never changed, never telegraphed whether he was angry or pleased. Or it might be cocaine, Ellis countered. They found fifty kilos washed ashore someplace in Texas. McFadden Beach, Wilson filled in, sealed and wrapped in thick plastic. Someone missed a drop-off or panicked and tossed it. Could be what we have here. Then shouldn't we radio it in and leave it for a cutter to pick up? Kesnick said this as he glanced at Liz. She could tell he was trying to let her know he'd back her if she elected not to deploy. Wilson noticed the glance. It's up to you, Bailey. What do you want to do? She still didn't meet his eyes, didn't want to give him the satisfaction of seeing even a hint of her reluctance. We should use the medevac board instead of the basket she said. It'll be easier to slide it under the container and strap it down. Knowing he was surprised by her response, she simply removed her flight helmet, cutting off communication. If Ellis or Kesnick had something to say about her, she dared them to say it with her attempt at nonchalance. She fingered strands of her hair back under her surf cap and strapped on her lightweight Sita helmet. She attached the gunner's belt to her harness, positioned the quickstrop over her shoulders, made sure to keep the friction slide close to the hoist hook. Finished, she moved to the door of the helicopter, squatted in position and waited for Kesnick's signal. She couldn't avoid looking at him. They had done this routine at least a half dozen times since she started at the air station. She suspected that Pete Kesnick treated her no differently than he had been treating rescue swimmers for the last fifteen years of his career as a coasty flight mechanic and hoist operator. Even now, he didn't second-guess her, though his steel-blue eyes studied her a second longer than usual before he flipped down his visor. He tapped her on the chest, the signal for ready, two gloved fingers practically at her collarbone. Probably not the same tap he used with male rescue swimmers. Liz didn't mind. It was a small thing, done out of respect more than anything else. She released the gunner's belt, gave Kesnick a thumbs up to tell him she was ready. She maintained control over the quickstrop as he hoisted her clear of the deck.
Then he stopped. Liz readjusted herself as the cable pulled tight. She turned and gave Kesnick another thumbs up and descended into the rolling waters. Without a survivor in the water, Liz quickly assessed the situation. The container was huge. By Liz's estimates, at least 40 inches long and 20 inches wide and deep, she recognized the battered white stainless steel as a commercial-grade marine cooler. A frayed tie-down floated from its handle bracket. Frayed, not cut. So maybe its owner hadn't intended to ditch it after all. She grabbed the tie-down, which was made of bright yellow and blue strands twisted into a half-inch thick rope, and looped it through her harness to keep the cooler from bobbing away in the rotor wash of the helicopter. She signaled Kesnick, her left arm raised, her right arm crossing over her head and touching her left elbow. She was ready for them to deploy the medevac board.